Kora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Um, it's a two-week series. I'm, I'll be taking you through a two-week series and I'm really looking forward to the series. This f- series is called Undo. And the series, I'm really looking forward to it because I've found that this short two-week series, it seems to be a real deal-with-your-heart kind of sermon. So I want to get ready for a real hearty word that I know is going to challenge all of us to to change, just as it has been making me, um, you know, think certain things that I do that, that need a bit of a shake and a change in my life. But, you know, in Jesus, his time here on earth, right, he wasn't interested in, in fake followers. He had no time, you know, he just wasn't interested. He had time, but he wasn't interested in fake followers of God. He challenged anyone whose faith in God was, they call it lukewarm. You know, you're not hot or cold. You're just in the middle, so you're really nothing. You're cold. You know, and he brought hope to the broken, to the lost, and, and those struggling in, in personal sin. And he did all this by showing people what true worship really looked like. And the purpose of the series is for us to hear and to understand, you know, um, an understanding of the obstacles that Jesus wants to move from you and I, from our spiritual walk, and receive a refreshing passion to have, man, just like a legit relationship in Him. And I remember in the, in the late 90s, uh, maybe the late 90s, mid-90s maybe, um, coming into the early 2000s, there was this well-known bracelet that spread across the world wide, uh, across the world like, like wildfire. And it's this one behind me here. It's the WWJD. WWJD stands for What Would Jesus Do? Yeah, show of hands. Anyone have wore this? Come on, man. Don't be sure. Yeah. Lingy wore was still wearing it. She's proud. Thomas. All right, it's a few people over here. Don't be shy. Uh, Fee, yeah, well, Fee, you're a holy, you're a holy sister. So, you know, um, I never, I never wore one. I had, I had some at home, but I never wore them. Um, they didn't match the things that I wore. Um, but you know, it was a bracelet that I guess would make you reflect, right? Because <laughs> you're wearing it. That's probably why I never wore it. It'll make you reflect on whatever you were doing on that day at that time to create some kind of healthy conviction if you were doing things that were wrong in the eyes of God. So that's probably why you wore it. Another reason people would wear it was wear it was because it created conversations with people. And people would see it that had no idea what that bracelet meant. So it was an opportunity, you know, to, to share the gospel of Jesus. And so that's the other reason other people would wear it. So many different styles. I think, you know, they were all different looks. This was the main one, I think, because this was the cheapest one. Well, you know, today, my, my brief time with you, I'd like to put a slight twist to this saying, WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? And ask you this question instead, and it's, what would Jesus undo? What were some things that would break his heart for humanity? What do you think bothered him? What was it that Jesus couldn't stand being around that he would just try to undo those things? 
You know, we're going to look at the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7, we'll start in the first verse and I'll walk, my, walk your way through it. But today I'm going to focus on the story here, one of the stories of Jesus where, he, you know, in this chapter, he and his disciples, they've caused uh, friction with some well-known leaders um, in this area that they are currently at. Because Jesus, he turns up, he turns up with his disciples and he starts healing people in this very town where these leaders started to get frustrated with him about. And in this town, people, you know, they hear Jesus is visiting. And as he and his disciples end up, you know, they end up in the marketplace. So the marketplace is, is like the mall, Manukau Mall. So they end up at the mall. They walk into the marketplace and everyone's there. They all know that Jesus is coming. They're all there. And it's in this marketplace, um, you know, where everyone has turned up to see if they can just receive healing from Jesus. And it talks about, only if I can just touch his garment, maybe I'll get healed. And that's what was happening. People were getting healed just as he walked past. And I mentioned, you know, there were these certain known leaders there. And these known leaders in this place, they were called the Pharisees. Now, these men were devout Jews who believed, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, laws, Ten Commandments, all those kind of things. And and given by God who carried, and they carried down those traditions that were passed down from Moses and from their forefathers about how Jews should live pure lives. And this is where I want to pick up the story by reading some scripture in verse 1. And it says this, now when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled. That means as they, were, they weren't washed. Their hands were unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they, come from the mar- when they came from the marketplace, you know, they do not eat unless their hands have been washed. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and everything else. Yet the Pharisees and the scribes, they come to Jesus and they say to him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions, the rituals, the laws, the rules of the elders? But instead, they're eating with defiled hands. Now guaranteed, right? If you go to a restaurant and when you walk past the kitchen or a restroom, you know, you probably see a sign that says this. And the sign, um, it's usually in the toilet or just outside the toilet or near a kitchen sink. Yeah, notice, you know, employees, and they make sure they've got employees up there. <laughs> Must wash your hands before returning to work. You know, I know that that is a good sign to have up at a restaurant that you plan to eat at, right? Because it tells us they have a concern for personal hygiene. And it gives me confidence they have clean hands making my food. (coughs) Well, when the Pharisees, they're confronting Jesus about his disciples not washing their hands, it's a different story. The Pharisees were not inspectors, you know, from the health department. They were religious leaders. And they weren't thinking about hygiene. They were concerned about their traditional ceremonies. And this, you know, the washing of hands was a certain ceremony that Jesus and his disciples at that time were ignoring. And this offended the Pharisees. 
And so these educated Pharisees, right, they were a, rid- a religious belief that pr- pretty much began 100 years before the birth of, of Christ. And their purpose was actually to teach, you know, God's chosen people, the Jews, how to live and clean, uh, how to live in, in a clean and pure life for God. And their concern was, you know, how can we help? How can we help our fellow Jews, our fellow Jews to stay pure in this corrupt and impure world? And so they would take the Old Testament laws and the rules and the traditions to those laws. And this was, this was their way of helping people out with following God's laws and commandments. So, for example, you know, uh, a well-known Old Testament law is this, you must keep the Sabbath day holy. And this law clearly taught the Jews that, you know, you are not to work on a Sabbath day. Now, many of the common Jews, the people then, they would then ask, well, so how do we know what is considered as work and what isn't work? And this is where the Pharisees then would be the religious group to help the people with an answer. So the Pharisees, they reminded the common Jew, yes, not only are you not to work on a Sabbath, but you shouldn't even walk through a field on the Sabbath day. Why? Well, because just in case your sandal, your sandal might get caught in some of the wheat that you're walking through and might accidentally harvest some of the grain because it got caught between your toes. This idea in helping their fellow Jews with their strict methods of living, at least when they started out, right, their motives, they had, they had a good heart behind it. Their motives were to help people stay pure in a corrupt and impure world. But over time, in history, as they became a well-known religious group, they eventually became blinded to the ways of God's laws because they kept relying more on their own man-made rules by pulling up, you know, people and their faults. You know, over the years of growing, you know, and, and reading the Bible, I've had to constantly, from young up until today, I've had to constantly make corrections even to my own personal theology and, and how I study and understand God's Scripture. The Scriptures, I don't consider myself perfect with my studies about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, but I'm always aiming to aspire to be, to be better, right, in knowing the Word of God, first for my personal life, and then be able to teach others with a conviction in what I believe is solid doctrine and understanding of what the Bible can teach us in this day and age. And so throughout the years as a Christian, I've given my personal opinion on things about so many topics that many of us argue about as Christians. I'll hear how, how people speak, and as, and as they speak, right, I'm sitting with, you know, people, and as they speak, I'll begin to take note of the flaws in the ideas and the faults that they have about what they learned from the Bible. And this is what happens next, which is a problem. I end up spending the rest of my time thinking how they need to be corrected on the way they have studied a particular verse they just shared with me 
during our hangout, our conversation. But do you know what the problem is? It's when, when I think like this, I end up missing some of the most important things this person is sharing to me about their relationship with Jesus. Because I'm, I'm too busy nitpicking at something they said earlier on in our conversation that was biblically incorrect. Anyone guilty of that? Now, I need to be careful as a pastor that has been studying the word quite intensely now for the last three years and, and becoming you know, more educated from these studies that I don't get caught up like the Pharisees all because I think I know a thing or two now that I've you know, some biblical qualification to back me up. And deep down in my heart, personally, man, that just feels like rubbish. <laughs> I don't want to be that kind of person. Now, we have here the Pharisees, right? And they're finding fault in what Jesus and his disciples are doing. And one of the very things the Pharisees taught was that Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. Okay, take note of that in a special way because this was a tradition that was passed down from the elders and traditional beliefs. And that's why they're saying to Jesus, why? Why do your disciples follow the tradition, do not follow the um, tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And some Pharisees, back in that time, majority of them would go to an extreme and they'd also say that, Eating with unwashed hands is greater is a greater sin than sexual immorality. I mean, that's a bit hardcore, don't you think? Now, I grew up in church all my life, yet I've only been a genuine follower in walking in a relationship with Jesus for only half of that time. And so that earlier stage of my life, you know, the church that I grew up in, before being part of this amazing church here with you, the family church that I grew up in, it was amazing. We had such cool church. And I loved being part of the families that I grew up with. And to this day, you know, we still catch up with so many of them from time to time. And something I would always remember, and we would have these combined services uh, with all the other churches from around Auckland and mainly around the, you know, the North Island, and when it was a combined service, that particular Sunday, when it was all coming together, there were certain rules that every church had to abide to. And it was this. At every combined service, we had to wear certain colors. And it might be, you know, all the ladies, you know, and we've been told all this because uh, it's a combined service during the weekend, and so it comes on Saturday. We're doing things all together on Saturday, and then before the Saturday finishes, we're told what to wear on Sunday morning. And so it could be something like, okay, ladies, you must, you know, wear the traditional hat, church hat, and it must be white. No other colors in it, just white. Or the men, you must wear suit and a tie and everything, you know, everything as well has to be white. Your pants and your shirt and your suit with a tie. And this used to really get on my nerves. <laughs> Being told how to, how to dress and what to wear. And I don't think it bothered anyone else. 
I was just this young guy that didn't like being told what to wear. So what does Saulu do? You know, we're told to wear an all-white suit for the combined service. Taulu would turn up wearing an off-white, you know, like a cream or a light gray. The next combined service, you know, three months or four months later, you know, would roll around and all the men, you must wear black pants, a white top, and a red tie. So what does Taulu do? Taulu would turn up with a black pants, white top, and a black tie. The funny thing was, every time at these combined services, if people wore the wrong clothing, the wrong color of tie, or whatever, you had to pay a $5 penalty fee. How about that for laws and traditions for a church? I love my church. I loved where I grew up. I'm just telling you this funny story. And when you pay that penalty fee, see, the thing was, I drove my mom crazy because she always had to pay my penalty fee on my behalf because I would refuse to even pay my penalty fee as well. Isn't it, isn't it funny, even in this very church, you know, we have traditions that we set in place to, to help us put boundaries, right, around the safety and, and hopefully with it is wisdom to guide our church beliefs to the ways of God. However, some church traditions can at times be a hindrance to having a true relationship in Jesus as, as well. And, and many times, it's because of all these rules in church, it keeps people from wanting to come into the church. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Pharisees, Pharisees were obsessed with their, their ceremonies of cleanliness. Why? Because they taught everything was either clean or unclean. There were clean animals and there were unclean animals. There were clean ways to prepare your food and there were unclean ways to prepare food. There are things you were allowed to touch that are considered clean, and there are things that were unclean that you were, uh, you know, not allowed to touch. If your body had any kind of sickness, you were unclean. Um, if you, I don't know, if you touched one of those animals, unclean, a pig, if you touched a pig, you were unclean. Sorry for those that love pork. If you touched a dead body or anything that was dead for that matter, you became unclean. And the problem of this, when you were unclean in any of those things that you touched, you could actually transfer your own uncleanliness to others. How? Well, let me give you an example. If an unclean dog came running by you and skimmed and brushed past your, your carry bag, the carry bag became unclean. And if you were holding that carry bag, you became unclean. And if you saw a friend from across the road and they came over and they shook your hand and, hey, long time no see, your friend now is unclean. Therefore, you are both unfit and unworthy to worship God because you're both unclean, all because of that dog. So what must you do to become clean again? Well, you, they had to go through, man, these elaborate kind of ceremonies to cleanse themselves both physically and spiritually, so you could be eligible to worship 
Gargi. Hence the importance of the tradition of washing their hands before eating anything. If you were about to eat something that was considered clean, like an apple, and it was clean, they had to make sure they, the person, you or them, they were clean before touching the food, just in case they came from a long day of work and, and may have touched something or someone that was unclean. There was also, there was also a certain way and ritual in how you would wash your hands. There were steps and stages and movements of how you wash your hands. Because the water that falls on it and drops off is unclean. For the Pharisees, washing of the hands as a traditional ritual was so important to be pure before you could worship God. Yet, hear me here, so many of these Pharisees, they lived corrupt lives. But hey, they were really good at sticking to the traditional rule of washing, you know, washing their hands, right? I hope you get what I'm trying to show us here. Coming back to the story, so the Pharisees, they confront Jesus, right, about his disciples for breaking tradition, the washing of their hands. But Jesus, instead of abiding to their tradition and saying, oh, man, I totally forgot. I'm sorry, disciples, come on. You know, instead of abiding to their tradition, Jesus comes back at the Pharisees, and this is what he says. He says in Mark verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 6, he said, you know what, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Because it's written, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely just human rules. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And then he continues on and he says, you know what? You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Man, Jesus was smart. The very laws the Pharisees lived by, he uses against them by quoting from one of their very own prophets, Isaiah. <laughs> the thing about the Pharisees is they were so adamant for every Jewish person to stick to the rituals of hand washing. They had become so caught up with their rituals, they forgot the true heart of God. And so Jesus made it pretty clear that the Pharisees and their worship, their style of worship, it was all lip service. <laughs> their worship wasn't pleasing to God. On the outside, right, it looked like worship. But because the inside was not right, their worship was empty. It was hollow worship. It was worship that didn't touch God's heart at all. And this was a thing that Jesus wanted to undo. He confronted the Pharisees by letting them know everything they did on the outside that everyone saw. It was all fake. It was a pretend kind of faith. And I mean, I bear witness. I bear witness in my own life attending church, as I said earlier. You know, I've only walked in right relationship in Jesus for only half of that time. In the first half of my life, I went to church and I, I dressed up in the right way, you know, shirt, tie, dress shoes, sometimes a little disobedient to the rules, but I looked the part, but my heart, my heart was so far away from worshiping God. 
And I gave good lip service, but my heart, my heart was not in it at all. You know, one thing about my church I grew up in, that I'm so blessed that I grew up in, everything we, we do here, right, in every nation's south side, was, is totally opposite to the church I grew up in. I grew up in a congregational denomination, and it was a Samoan, Samoan-speaking church. It wasn't a multicultural church like this one. We didn't have lights like these ones up here, you know, in the church building. We definitely had no drums, no bass, no electric guitar. We never clapped during our songs. And so many times during the service, we would stand up and then we would sing and certain, sing certain songs and then we would sit. Then stand again to say a certain prayer during the service and then sit. Then we would stand when the tithe and offering bags were passed around, and then we would sit again. Every Sunday, I remember we would say the Lord's Prayer in Samoan, you know, you know, and would go on and would go on. And I mean, I knew it. We knew where the, the pauses were and where the starts, and we knew how to use the holy voice. Then all you need to go, baby. I didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> Different prayer, right? These were just some of the traditional rituals that we did in my Samoan church that I grew up in. And then, well, I remember when I was 15 years old, my first experience of a church that had a band and people who would, would clap during singing and they would be dancing and jumping around while the band would play their, their you know, their church songs, songs. And I remember this one song so clearly at this particular church that got everyone in a crazy, crazy dance fit. It's an old school song, you know, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, you know, the Lord, let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the people be glad, you know, and, but the verse, a fire comes before him, and burns down all his air. The hills melt like, now this part, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Come on, you know. And the people, including the pastor and his wife up the front, man, they'd be dancing away. And then there was one lady in particular that should jump out of the aisle, then she'd run down the front, and lo and behold, she'd pull out this big red ribbon, had a stick on it, and she'd start dancing around and swinging it up the front. That ribbon thing, man, sorry to any one of those that have a ribbon dance ministry, I, I just don't get it. Anyway, all this is happening, right? And I'm sitting in there and I'm thinking, wow, this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Let's just look at these two examples I just shared for a moment. Let's take the traditional way of doing church with certain rituals during a service, like the church I grew up in, versus this, you know, real expressive and charismatic ribbon-dancing church that I went to. My question is this, which one is the right way to worship God? The answer is both. Both are the right way 
to worship God. But let me say this next thing that is important for you to hear. Both styles of worship can actually be wrong if the heart is not right. All around Auckland, this very Sunday morning, even around the world, there are churches using, you know, different traditions of worship, worshiping God. There are liturgies that are happening in churches. There are people singing songs, well, you know, a full band decked out with the latest instruments and smoke machines and laser beam lights. And there is the choir singing only with an organ or a piano. There is Asian churches, Pacific Island churches, European churches, who, who are either traditional in old school rituals or churches with charismatic traditions. There are churches that will have, you know, 15 minutes of worship, just 15, and others that will sing for the next two hours or three hours of nonstop worship. We all need to understand and acknowledge there are so many different ways of expressing our love and worship for God, and it happens all around the world. And But let me remind you, with all these expressions of worship, they honor God only if the heart is connected and is right in Him. So, what would Jesus undo? How do you, in the times that you're living in, how do you live out being pure in an impure world? How do you pay attention to the heart of worship towards God? What would Jesus like to undo in you and I today? You know, as this experienced churchgoer, many of you here are, are probably experienced at, at going to church all your life as well, going to church, sorry. You know, we've become so conditioned to look at the outside traditions and rituals of what church must look like, and we make judgment and we evaluate other people and, and ourselves and based off what the church is supposed to look like. See, we judge people by the way they appear. We, we look at what they wear. We look at how long their hair is or short their hair is or if they have hair at all like mine. You know, we look at how baggy their, their jeans are or how tight their jeans are. You know, we see people that live in sin, and then we see them here in church, and we make judgment on them because they're not walking right with God. Now, hear me out. I'm saying that if we think we can see what's in a person's heart because of an outward appearance, it doesn't work like that. Can I share something, something personal? You know, just this week, God has had to deal with my heart towards some people who have bothered me in the way they do things as followers of Christ. Christians, they bothered me. And when my heart was feeling quite bitter towards them, just this week, I, I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, Taulu, it's time I humble you. During my time of being bitter, then I felt the Holy Spirit say, do you really want to be like the Pharisees and nitpick? Are you going to allow your personal traditions and the bitterness in your heart stop you from having true worship with me because you didn't get your way? Wow. <laughs> and I had to repent. I had to repent of my attitude, of the judgment I made on these people strong Christian people. And when I asked God to forgive me, 
I felt a peace fall on me. Don't worry, it's none of you guys. I love you all. <laughs> Just to make sure. Eh? You're going, oh, phew. we caught up this week and uh, he didn't say anything to me. <laughs> what a sad guy. <laughs> and then there was this peace that fell on me. Have you ever experienced that? Those kind of moments? And only then was the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Hear me here. Only then was the Holy Spirit able to show me what my life will look like walking a life of humility. I didn't like it. <laughs> you think walking in humility is fun? Wait until the Holy Spirit deals with you and makes you walk in humility. But only then could God show that on me. This is what your life is going to be like. You think that's hard? That what you went through? I've got your heart now, but let me show you more. Now, at one point I said it was, it was hard for me to accept that. But because of that peace that miraculously fell on me, I'm able to accept that it's a journey that I need to walk out. And after repenting of that attitude, I had, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad I saw, I, I repented because I saw these next verses I'm about to share after I repented to God. And it's the final verses that Jesus says after being in the marketplace with his disciples. They've confronted been confronted by the Pharisees and he's already read we've already read how he takes them to school you know with putting them in their place of what he said from their own prophet Isaiah but then he finishes with these words and I only caught it only because I had come into a place of peace and how the Holy Spirit could show me my life journey of humility and it's these verses and Jesus said what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person it's like Jesus is saying look you set up all of these outside traditions but eventually all of it becomes all of it becomes it's a pile a pile of stuff that takes you away from the deeper commands of scripture yes it's important to stay pure in an impure world but you better have the right strategy that strategy is to pay attention to your heart. And so my encouragement as I finish here to us, as you try to stay pure in a corrupted, impure world, the way is, above all else, guard your heart with diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. It's a proverb. What would Jesus undo? 
for your life today. All these things that I've shared, the different kind of traditions that you carry. Now some of them are a, a roadblock, a, a block for some of the things that God has called you to do. You're too busy trying to focus on those things, but forgetting about the integrity of your heart and the character of the way you live behind closed doors. All these things. What a challenge. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. The sermon today on what would you undo? Lord, I know, I believe you want us to, there's one area, especially, you know, in this room that you want us to undo. And that's fake worship. Hollow worship. Worship that means nothing to you. When we come into churches or we're around other people, we give lip service about how great you are. But our actions don't show it. And we have to understand, Lord, as I pray that they're following you, it's not a hobby. It's not a hobby for us. Jesus, it's not a thing of, of interest where we get to, to pick and, and choose what we like or what we don't like about you. Lord, And if we're going to follow you, people in this room, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you need to understand that Christ is your life. And so, Father, we will worship you. I thank you that we're all going through different journeys in our walk with you. How do I know that we're all going for journeys? If some of you, as your eyes are closed, you may think I'm not in a journey. Well, you're here. <laughs> you're sitting in this very church. You're actually listening to some scripture. And you're thinking, man, I, I'm so, I'm not following God. I'm so far. Well, you wouldn't be that far if you were sitting in here this morning. God has never forgotten you. No matter how much you may feel that he has. Above all else, guard your heart with diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. We thank you, Father.